You're listening to Reach, a podcast created for professional bloggers to help you expand your reach and maximize your bottom line. I'm your host, Val Geisler, fellow blogger and marketer at ConvertKit. Do you ever feel like you're looking for something and it just doesn't exist? You might even find yourself saying, I wish someone would make that. Well, the beauty of running a business online is that you can be that someone. Today, we're talking to Sarah Von Bargen, founder of the popular lifestyle blog, Yes and Yes. Sarah is a writer and blogger who believes that yes is more fun than no in life, online, and in business. In this conversation, Sarah shares why you should go out and create what you want if you can't find it anywhere else, the simple yet varied ways she monetizes her blog, and why she's decided to combine her business and lifestyle blogs into one brand. If you find yourself feeling inspired by today's interview and want to impact your own reach right away, get your free action guide from this episode at convertkit.com slash reach, or just click the link in your podcast player. Let's find out how Sarah Von Bargen achieved her reach. Hey, Sarah, thanks for being on the podcast today. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Yeah, um, you know... I, it's such an honor to have you. Um, I have admired your work on Yes and Yes for a long time, and seeing you evolve throughout the last several years as I've been blogging and following what you do, and um, just inspired by your openness um, on on your blog and and what you bring to your work. Can you for those of the listeners who aren't as familiar with your work as I am, um, aren't as stalkerish about Sarah Von Bargen, <laughs> uh, <laughs> could you tell them a little bit about you and um, and the blogs that you run? Because you do have two blogs, but um, yes. maybe start with Yes and Yes. Yes. Um, so probably what I'm most, quote unquote, well known for is um, my lifestyle blog, Yes and Yes, which I have been writing for eight years, which is just crazy. That's that's like dinosaur era um, on the internet. Um, and it's, I always tell people that it's a lifestyle blog for smart, funny women. Um, I like to write about, um, and publish lots of different stuff, interviews, life advice, career advice, travel, style, food, link roundups, all sorts of stuff. And my goal is to address topics that are both emotionally challenging and frivolous, um, and thought provoking and silly and to do it with um, intelligence and humor. Uh, of course, uh, varying degrees of success with that. Um, but but that's what I try to do. So I have Yes and Yes. And then I also have my professional blog and portfolio, which is com. But I'm actually in the process of moving um, my content from com um, over to Yes and Yes and putting it all on one site. But if you look at com, you'll see my archives of posts that are specifically about social media, self-employment, writing, creativity, managing clients, um, that kind of stuff. And you'll also um, find testimonials for my work and, and the, the services and products that I offer that are sort of blogger and entrepreneur geared. Whereas in Yes and Yes, it's more geared towards travelers, self-development, adventure, that kind of stuff. So I do want to know why you have the two um, the the separation between the two because I think that that's a, a a big consideration for a lot of bloggers is do I have my lifestyle brand and my more business focused brand um, or do I combine them 
And and I want to get to that, but I actually want you to take us back to you said you've been running Yes and Yes for eight years, and mm-hmm. um and for the people who are listening who do know Yes and Yes and um and have seen I know lately you've had some huge success on Pinterest and um, mm-hmm. Joanna Goddard has featured you and there's mm-hmm. been some kind of big jumps for your blog um but mm-hmm. there's also the fact that you you've been doing it for eight years and and yeah. there's this myth of like the overnight success and i'd love for you to talk about those early days and you know starting the blog why you started yes and yes and mm-hmm. and um and those kind of um early uh, starting points mm-hmm. absolutely um well i started yes and yes i'd been reading blogs for a long time and there was a certain type of blog that I wanted to read, but I couldn't find it. Like, I wanted a blog that featured lots of different content, but preferably was written by one person. Like, not a group blog, not a huge corporate blog that had, you know, like, investors and backers and huge um, ad campaigns that accompanied it. Um, and I also found that a lot of blogs were quite niche. You know, you had your fashion blog, your political blog, your self-development blog, your travel blog, but it was hard to find eight years ago a a blog that covered all those different topics and specifically one that did it in a in a way that was like well written and thoughtful because obviously as you know media that's written for women is very rarely thought-provoking and very (laughs) rarely funny Um, and so I thought, I, I've been getting paid to write since I was 20, and I also have a background in marketing. So I thought, like, I, I could do this. I, I know how to write. I know how to market myself. I could just start it. And when I started it, I mean, I think, you know, there was, I, I fantasized a little bit about, like, oh, gosh, what if I could do this as my job? But I didn't, I wasn't really serious about it. It just seemed like an impossible dream the way, like, when you're a child, you're like, oh, I'll be a ballerina. <laughs> right. Um, Did you have a, another job when you started the blog? Oh, absolutely. Like I worked full time, more than full time. I worked probably 50 hours a week at my day job for like three years. Um, And then the income from Yes and Yes started to be enough slash I uh, moved out of America (laughs) uh, where it's a lot cheaper to live. It's a lot cheaper to live if you don't live in America. Yeah. Uh, And so those two things sort of allowed me to make the leap into self-employment. Um, but to go back to your question about like sort of how I got it going, um, obviously when I started, there was no Twitter, there was no Pinterest, there was no Instagram, Mm -hmm. Facebook didn't have pages. Um, there was absolutely no strategy. I just was writing what I wanted to read. Um, and the only strategy that I employed was leaving comments on other blogs that I liked. I would go to, I don't know if your readers know the the blogger website, Gala Darling. She's, oh, a, yeah. she's a pretty big Love blogger. Gala Darling. Yeah, she's great. And for a long time, she had comments. And, you know, back in 2008, people left tons and tons and tons of comments. And if you had a blog and you left a comment, there would be a live link in your name. And so I thought, okay, I love Gala Darling. I think... Our readers, I think her readers would probably like my stuff. So if I go and leave comments on the blogs of people who read Gala Darling, it's pretty likely that they will then follow my comment back to my blog. And who knows, maybe they'll like my stuff and start reading it too. Yeah. And so for two and a half years, every lunch hour, I had a 45-minute lunch hour, 
every lunch hour, I would spend reading blogs and commenting on them. And so they were meaningful comments, though. You were reading the oh, blog. Yes. And yes. I think that this advice is is pretty common these days is, you know, read mm. other blogs and comment on them. But then it can spiral into a like, great post. Um, yeah. You know? Oh, no. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely not. Like, I would say your comment needs to add something to the conversation and, and don't paste the URL of your blog into your comment. Yeah. Absolutely not. Like it, and, and if you can't think of a, a productive comment, if you can't think of something other than I love your shirt, then maybe it's best not to, to leave it. Yeah. Um, so I, I would really try to leave thoughtful comments and I would mostly leave comments on blogs that I really liked and bloggers that I wanted to know. And I, I thought, seemed like they would be cool people to know. And it's crazy that tons and tons of my internet friends are people that I met then. Like the woman who designed both of my websites, I met her in like 2009 through leaving comments. Some of my best internet friends I met that way. People who are now also full-time bloggers like Carly Jacobs at Smagle, um, Winona Demio Eidegger, like tons of people I met ages years and years ago just through leaving comments yeah that's how i met you was through leaving comments on your blog yeah oh that's great Mm -hmm. and you know it's it is developing those relationships and even you said it was every day on your lunch break and so it was a real commitment for you to set aside the time and it's it sounds like from the beginning you treated yes and yes like a job Mm-hmm. I was I was very serious about it. I mean, I definitely wanted to go. I wanted it to go somewhere, but I was also simultaneously trying to be realistic and manage my expectations. You know, I thought like I'd really love it if this worked out, but I'm not going to quit my day job until it seems viable. When you say you wanted it to go somewhere, did you know where that somewhere was, or were you like, I just want to do something with this? I just knew that I wanted to be self-employed. I really, really loved my job. Um, I was an ESL teacher at a nonprofit. I loved it, but as I'm sure you can imagine, um, the burnout rate for teachers is exceptionally high. Yeah, especially um, ESL, I, English as a second language. Yes. Oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> and especially like when you're working, like the sort of compassion fatigue that comes mm. with um, working with refugees is, is very high. And Obviously, nobody gets into education to make money, but I was like, if I would have continued at that pay rate, I would have never been able to do anything other than live in like a one bedroom apartment and own a car that was 15 years old. And obviously, obviously, there are tens of millions of people all over the world who would pray to be so lucky. Sure. There are worse ways to live. Yes. Yeah. But it was it was frustrating to work that hard and put so much into my job and make so little money and be so burnt out. You know, Sarah, I think that's a good point and something that I know you talk a lot about on Yes and Yes and and just kind of in in general is um, just because a particular way of life or, or doing things is is sufficient or even great for someone else, it doesn't mean mm-hmm. it is for you. Yep, absolutely. And I, And I feel like that's really important as a blogger, too. Um, because we get so wrapped up in comparisonitis. And oh my gosh, yes. <laughs> I'm sure when you were commenting on Gayla Darling's website, you were looking at her blog and all her commenters. And yes. I mean, it's natural to. Absolutely. Yeah. And so 
I would love to hear how you have really managed that through your your almost decade long career of mm-hmm. blogging of um, that comparison trap and and the idea of I know what I want for myself and it's mm-hmm. okay that what I have is great for someone else but it's not enough for me. Yeah. Oh gosh, that's a good question. Um, well. I would like to preface this by saying, like, it's always a work in progress. It's always a struggle. Like, I can tell you what I'm doing and still tell you that I still struggle with it. Um, But I would say one of the biggest things that I've done, which is totally obvious, but there I have some good internet friends who in the last probably year or so have become exceptionally financially successful. Um, And they publish income reports and they say, you know, oh, I made like 50K this month. I made 30K this month. And full disclosure, I'm not making 50K a month, guys. (laughs) Surprise, surprise. And these are like wonderful humans who deserve every success. But I'm human. It makes me feel bad that I'm not making 50K a month. And so with nothing but absolute love and respect for their work, I've, I've like unfollowed their Instagram accounts or taken their blog out of my RSS feed because it makes me, even though I know what I'm doing is right for me, it's still hard to see that. So I've just, if something makes me feel bad about myself, I unfollow. Yeah. And it's 100% about me and 0% about them. So I unfollow, I strategically unfollow. Um, I try really hard to remember that the truth about work-life balance is you can have work-life balance, but it means that you're going to get where you're going slower. And so, like, I travel a lot. I socialize a lot. I love gardening and fussing with my house and entertaining. And the reality is, if I want to do those things, I'm going to put less time into my business. Mm -hmm. And if I put less time into my business, I'm going to not make $50,000 a month. And... I maybe if I put a ton of time into my business, I could make $50,000 a month, but I'm honestly not willing. I'm not willing to work that hard is what it comes down to. And, and who knows, maybe, maybe the people who are making that much money per month have found a way to do it while also going to Mexico for a week and, you know, hosting dinner parties and like hanging out with their friends and going to the beach. Maybe they have. And if they have, that is totally awesome. I personally have not figured out how to do that. So I sort of have made peace with the fact that for me, if I want to live the personal life and social life that I want, that means that there's a limited amount of time and effort I get to put into my business. So I'm just going to make less money because I'm trying to like have a life that I enjoy in addition to having a business that I enjoy. Do you struggle with that? Um, that idea of like, I don't, I don't want to work harder, but I'm mad at myself for not wanting to work harder. Uh, um, well, I would say very occasionally, like when I see the income report when, or when I see somebody saying like, we hired a sixth employee and bought a warehouse, mm. then occasionally I'm like, oh, but honestly, like I love my life. Like I was just, I've been like this year I took 10 days off and went to Mississippi. I was in Mexico for three weeks. I was just in Mexico for another seven days. In the middle of July, I'm taking a two and a half week road trip. At the end of August, I'm taking a five day road trip. And I would so much rather do those things than work really hard. <laughs> do those things contribute to your work? Have you found ways to bring the the blogging element to those pieces? And oh yes, yeah, definitely. Not not all the time, but but a lot of the time. Um, 
I've either, like when I was in Mexico earlier this year, we both know Kathleen Shannon. um, And she, I invited her and a few other um, internet friends of mine to meet me in Mexico and do like a little mini mastermind. Um, On my road trip um, in July, I'm meeting up with um, Kristen Kelp and Nicole Antoinette and Alex Franzen and Kelly Williams Brown and Haley Gray, Hallie Gray, a bunch of, of internet friends. So, I've found ways to sort of tie in. I mean, I don't want to call it networking because all those people are my friends, regardless of what our professional connections are. Um, but I've way I've found ways to to honestly make that travel tax deductible. I was going to say, networking or not, it's a tax deduction. Yes, correct. <laughs> and that's the beauty of that that lifestyle brand um and and having that piece of the blog with yes and yes and so maybe now is a good time to talk about that separation between mm-hmm. lifestyle and business blogs and why you chose to have two separate and it sounds like now you're going back to combining them well initially i kept them separate because i felt very conscious of not wanting to sort of annoy my yes and yes readers with content that was that felt at that point really far from from what I was normally writing like it felt really weird to publish like true story interview you know travel post something else and then like 15 ways to like improve your social media like it felt Mm -hmm. really strange um like it's not why people come to yes and yes yes yeah and I also felt like there are going to be people who just want my business advice, um, who don't want the other lifestyle content. So my that was my initial thought process is that I should have, and I also sort of thought like how do I fit everything in there? Like how do I fit the hire me tab plus the testimonials plus the like sales pages for the different products plus all the stuff for my lifestyle? Like how do I fit it all in there without it looking ridiculous and making and making it all findable? Um, so that was the initial thought process for separating it. But what I sort of found as I was writing content for my business blog is that a lot of the things that I wrote and a lot of the things that were most popular are things that could apply to A, anyone, and whether you're self-employed or not, and my and B, my readership at Yes and Yes would totally like. Like some of the most some of the most popular posts are things like what you're really seeing when you see success. Or, like, mm-hmm. how to work a full-time job, freelance, and still have a life. Yeah. Or um, I wrote about um, dealing with um, feeling, feeling competitive, feeling like you're comparing yourself. And the thing is, like, whether even if you're not self-employed, even if you work a nine-to-five, you're still going to have coworkers who make you feel jealous. Yeah, we all have those issues, regardless yeah. of how we work. Yeah, yeah. So I thought, and, and also, to be totally honest, it was time, SarahBombBargain.com needed, to, I'd reached a point where it needed to be redesigned. Like it, like for both aesthetically and also, you know, with the, the back end stuff. And I was talking to a designer and she was saying like, okay, you should do this and this and this and this. And then she said, or honestly, and this isn't going to make me any money, I think you should just move it all over onto yes and yes. And I was like, really? And she was like, yeah, honestly, I think that's what you should do. That's where all your readers are and lots of your content overlaps and you'll save yourself like (laughs) $5,000. And I was like, you are awesome. Uh, For the record, the name of the woman who did that, um, her, her company is Wander Oak. 
super ethical, really good at what she does. Okay, we'll um, <laughs> we'll share a link to her business. So, um, you know, that's the great thing is that when as kind of a little sidebar is when you're super honest in in business, um, people are are more likely to talk about you and share your yes. your work. Um, so even though yeah. she didn't get your business, um, mm-hmm. you know, someone else might might take her up on that. And and truly for her, it would have been a drain to do something yeah. that she she knew would be better served somewhere else. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So so now everything's from Sarah Von Bargen is moving over to Yes and mm-hmm. Yes. Um, yep. And you have, but I kind of want to talk about the, the reach that you have with these two different blogs, though, because mm-hmm. you do have, like you said, you have kind of two different audiences and mm-hmm. people who have you have email lists for for both i mm-hmm. yeah and so you have people who have said i want to hear about you know these more business type posts and mm-hmm. and people who have said i want to hear the more lifestyle posts so talk talk to me a little bit about the game plan there well i mean i have the two separate lists so i know what my yes and yes readers like they love listicles that tell them how to be good at something and the self development posts mm-hmm. so once a week i email them my blog posts that I've written that I know they will enjoy the most. And then when I write businessy stuff, I email that list. Because, I mean, obviously, as you know, working for ConvertKit, that t- people, you reach people through your email list. Clearly, they've been to my website at some point. Yeah. But, you know, frequently they forget to come back. So they, so they read the email where they don't necessarily read the blog. Yeah, that's true. There's always a question of, do I include the whole blog in my oh, email? Yes. Or, yes. and, you know, the and. I get to ask that question a lot, and it's the the awful answer of it depends. <laughs> yeah. Well, what I've been doing, and I would be interested in your professional opinion on this, is I've been writing blog posts that are much longer and much more sort of like resources. Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, 2,000 words long, and obviously I can't paste that into a blog post. That's That would be horrible. Or I can't, I can't paste that into an into email. An email. Yeah, because that would be that would be horrible, and nobody would read it. But I can also see that um, when I send an email that says like, you know, I wrote this awesome blog post, click here to read it. Obviously, not one hundred percent of the people who open that email are clicking on that link. Yeah. So I'm sort of struggling with okay, do I need to include more information in the email? So even if they don't click the link, they're getting the gist of what I say. But if I include a lot, then they're not going to be motivated to click. So hmm. honestly, that's something I'm struggling with, and I would love your it's, insight on it's it. It's a catch twenty two for sure, um, and I think it really depends on your audience. So I've talked to people who have a huge portion of their audience that live in big cities, and they're constantly reading their emails um, or wanting to read blog posts on their phone while they're commuting on the train and they can't mm-hmm. get service to click through to a blog. Oh. Uh, so they're like, oh, I just want the whole thing in my email, yeah. right? Um, but like you said, on those resource type posts, whether whether it's the length or um, in our case, we include a lot of images and screenshots and um, or short videos uh, mm-hmm. to, to kind of walk people through things. And we can't include those um, in, I mean, we can, but it just yeah. fills up your inbox. Um, so yeah. So we often say, hey, it, there's all kinds of stuff over on the blog and, you know, head over there. And you certainly have a portion of your audience who's not going to click through. Mm-hmm. Um, but like you said, it's playing around with how much do I include? Do I write something that's 
not related to the, you know, related to the blog post, but not the same content inside of the email? Mm -hmm. um, or mm -hmm. do I use the first couple paragraphs of the blog post in the email and a read more? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And everyone, you see people go through evolutions. I've been on some people's email lists for, for some time, and you see them go through different evolutions trying to figure out, okay, what gets the best click-through rate? And that's the cool thing about yeah. tracking it and seeing okay, which type of email are people clicking on most often? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there is the, the, the thing where you can, you can poll your audience of what they like best. But mm -hmm. the problem with polls is that then you're setting an expectation. Um, yeah. Because people think, but I voted for that thing and it's not what you're doing now. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, so that gets tricky when you, when you poll your audience. I mean, I know... A lot of bloggers, especially when you're new to blogging, will poll their audience like, hey, what do you want me to write about? Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I could write about any of these topics. Which one would you like to hear the most? And and that gets tricky because if the majority of your audience picks the, the topic that you're least excited about. Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Did you have that happen with Yes and Yes where you you had all these different topics and obviously you have a, a level of excitement for each one. Mm -hmm. Um but was there one that was like, I really don't want to be writing about this anymore? Oh gosh. Well that's a good question. Well, I'm actually sort of going through that right now. I'm trying to get really strategic ab about my content and look at, okay, what gets comments, what gets pinned, what makes money, what gets shared. Um and some of, and also like how much time am I putting into this? And some of my favorite blog posts that I love and that people tell me they love don't get comments and don't get shares and don't make any money and don't bring in traffic. So then I, and, and take me, you know, three or four hours to put together. So then I'm sort of thinking, what, what do I do? Do I just drop those? Do I keep doing them because I like doing them even though it's, of literally no benefit to me in any way. Mm. Um, and I think that's something that, that every business struggles with and every, every blogger struggles with. Um, I have definitely, I, I think that something that I used to struggle with, but I've sort of made peace with now is determining the level of how, how personal I'm willing to be um, on my blog, what I'm willing to share, what I'm willing to talk about, um, of course, when I started blogging, I was incredibly personal. Like, I got a Brazilian and wrote about it. Uh, I remember that like, post. Yes. And you know what I was thinking before we got on our call today was that, gosh, Sarah is someone I've always admired how vulnerable and open she is on her blog. Um, and I, I wanted to know how that's impacted the reach that you have. And did oh, people respond so to the Brazilian level of openness or? <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, I think they did, but I think what, and I think maybe even Kathleen Shannon has talked about this a little bit, that there is an art to creating a feeling of, we know each other, we could be friends. It's a little bit of like, look over here, but don't look over here. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that if you write in your own voice, it's really easy to seem accessible and personal. Um, if you open your blog post with a personal anecdote and then move into your listicle about five ways to blah, 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 um, it's really easy to sing personal. And so like, I, I've never told the internet the names of my stepsons or how old they are or like what they're into. I think I've maybe shared like one photo of them and that was when we got married. Um, I think I, I, I've probably 
you know, I've, I've linked to my husband and like what he does, but I don't talk about it a ton. Um, my best friend has an Instagram account, but, and I'm, you know, I'm always talking about her, but I don't think I ever link to it because it's private and locked and she's not falling all over herself to have like strangers from the internet following her on Instagram. Um, so I try to be honest and open and accessible without hurting or alienating or oversharing to an extent where people in my life are going to not want to talk to me or, or feel like they need to say, don't put this on the internet. Yeah. Has that happened? Um, no, but I actually, well, there have been people who have said that to me and I was like, calm down. I'm not going to <laughs> like, oh, like they're telling like, you a story and they're like, by the way, don't write about this on your blog. And I'm like, and I'm like, I know. <laughs> um, I, one thing, so I do these new things every year and then I write about them. Um, and I took a burlesque class and, and did the student showcase. And there um, was a photographer who, like, took photos of the student showcase that are for the students to, to use, like, personally. We're not, you know, supposed to publish right. them publicly. We can, I mean, like, I've contacted the photographer and he said, you know, like, yes, as long as you give me photo credit. But I need to contact each the other women in my class and say, I'm, I'm going to publish this photo. I'm going to write about my experience in our class. Do you want me to crop you out? Do you want me to blur your face? Yeah. Um, because, you know, a lot of the women in my class, like, invited their friends and family members to this performance. But they didn't that's invite not the, the same. Yes, exactly. Uh, so it's like um, some journalistic integrity, too, in what you do. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And when I do my true stories, my true story interviews, I always make for sure to tell people this can be anonymous or we can just use your first name and not link to anything. We can even, like, if you feel really concerned that people will be able to identify you, we can even, like, change details. Um, I don't want you... What's important to me is that you feel like you can share your story safely without being worried that if, if you offend someone, they're going to go to your Instagram account and, like, leave unkind yeah. comments. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, your blog has this really incredible reach and uh, a huge amount of people who check in on a regular basis, whether they're in, you're in their RSS feed or they're on your email list, or maybe they're, it's their homepage when they open the, their web browser. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's a, it's become a very popular blog. Would you say there's one thing that you've done that has really impacted your reach either from the beginning or that you've implemented lately? Oh gosh. Well, I would say, um, Probably the two things that I've done that have been very, and they have, have helped my reach, and it was through no strategy on my part, but everyone listening can totally feel free to steal these, these ideas. Um, so I do tons of things that are either interviews or um, guest posts. So every Monday I interview someone. I have a series where I interview style bloggers. Um, and I also host guest posts that are travel. Re- you relate. You wrote one for I me. I did. Yeah. Um, so there, I have the cheap skate guides. So it's um, like a, a, tra- a travel guide for a specific city and how to like travel there cheaply. And then also mini travel guides. So written by locals yeah. specifically. I wrote the one locals for Columbus, Ohio. Yes. yes. Yeah. And it was so good. And so what happens when when you have that many other people contributing to your website? is that they are going to tell their readers about, they're going to say, hey, I'm over on Yes and Yesterday writing about blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So I get the piggyback off of all of their readers who come to the site. And also now I have a relationship with that person who guest posted for me. 
or who I interviewed. So I have tons of people who went on to become clients, who referred their friends, um, just because we had a few interactions via email and I shared their story or help, or sent my traffic towards them. Um, so that has been really helpful. And the other thing is every Sunday I do this link roundup. It's called Web Time Wasters. I've been doing it for, I think, maybe like four years. Um, and it's just every, just a bunch of things that I found around the internet that I really liked. Um, I did not start it with any awesome smart strategy in mind. I did it because I was traveling and I <laughs> didn't have time to write a real blog post. Um, <laughs> it's, yeah, pro tip. If you don't get a blog post written in, you know, when you want to, grab a few links of some things that you Oh my gosh, have yes. Seen. Yes. Because, I mean, you know, there's plenty of blog posts in the world, right? Yes. And people love, like, if they like your link roundup, it's, they, it sort of says, like, I trust, I trust your opinion. I see that you find good stuff. I trust you as, like, a, not a, I mean, a tastemaker is a douchey term, yeah, yeah. But, but, you, but you know what I mean. Yeah. And so when I would link to people, I would tag them on social media saying, like, oh, awesome stuff this Sunday, and I found it, and Val Geisler was one of the, you know, Val Geisler, Joy the Baker, and Coco and Kelly, and I would just tag them so they knew I was talking about them. Um, and I got, I've gotten probably tens of thousands of dollars worth of client work out of that. Wow. Like I, I ghost wrote a book for a woman who is a pretty big deal on the internet because I linked to her once and tagged her on Twitter. Because she was in one of your link roundups. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's incredible. Mm -hmm. Um, do you have a specific, there, I know there's like all kinds of, um, c curating softwares out there. Do you do it with any particular software or do you just like keep a... Google Doc of links. Um, well, I use uh, Feedly for my RSS feed. Okay. And within Feedly, you can um, have folders. Mm -hmm. And so as I'm reading through Feedly and I find something, I'll put it into a folder that's safe for that. Or if I'm reading it just like actually on the internet, I'll just uh, put it in a folder. But but that's it. Yeah, just pretty basic. And then you pull from those links on mm -hmm. Saturday night or Sunday morning when you're sending out the post. <laughs> yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah, cool. Okay. Um, so, Sarah, you've mentioned a couple of times now about making money on the blog. And so mm -hmm. I, if it's comfortable for you, I'd love to oh, yeah. dive into that a little bit. I mean, if you can write about a Brazilian, you can talk about money, right? Yes, okay. Yeah. Okay. Totally. So, yeah. um, so you said, you know, one, that you've had all this client work. And mm -hmm. so can you talk a little bit about the client work? Um, sure. that, that you get from either building relationships or just through your email list in general? Yes, absolutely. Well, I can tell you, I'll tell you what I used to do and I'll tell you what I'm doing right now. Um, for a long time, I was ghostwriting and I would ghostwrite blog posts, books, uh, book proposals, pretty much, pretty much anything that somebody wanted written, I would, I would write for them. Um, and you, and generally the way that worked is I would have between three and five ongoing clients and every month we would work on a new project together uh, but for a variety of long boring reasons um, I've phased that out um, and so now in terms of sort of blogging and client work I do two things one is one-on-one -on -one consults and the other one which I love I love doing the most it's um, called Secret Weapon and it's a full review of someone's online presence their blog their social media even their like email autoresponder and so I look at all of it because obviously a lot of us can't see the forest for the trees and we need a, an objective, friendly, non-judgmental view of what we're doing. 
and then I send them a packet and a plan of like, okay, here are tweaks that you can make that will take 10 minutes. Here are things you can change that'll take you like 30 minutes. And then here are the things that are like, you know, they're really time consuming, but they're totally worth it, I promise. And then they have however long they want to implement those changes. And then after they've implemented them, or when they feel ready, then they get ad space on yes and yes, which then drives traffic to their newly improved space. Oh, that's so valuable. And especially to get that advice from someone who has a marketing background and has run a highly successful blog for a long time, um, just to have that second set of eyes. Because like you said, when you started, it, we didn't have Twitter and Instagram and oh Facebook. Gosh, and yeah. I mean, maybe Facebook, but, um, you know, it was, there wasn't a Feedly. There wasn't any of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, and now it's almost like all the things are a bit of a hindrance to, yeah. to, to focus, really. Yeah, yeah. And it's so easy. Like, I know I could, I could honestly, I mean, if I could get enough distance, I could look at my own website and be like, oh my gosh, here are 45 things that you should change, Sarah. But it's so hard to get that distance on your own work. And also there are a lot of things that we all know we should be doing, but for whatever reason, having like giving money to an expert and having them tell you the thing that you already know, for whatever reason, it works really well. Um, You talk on Yes and Yes about your mini writing retreats. Um, If if someone wanted to do that like 10,000 foot view of their own site for themselves, if you were to say, all right, Sarah, I'm going to do this for myself, um, Mm -hmm. what what would you do? What steps would you take? Is it it similar to the mini writing retreat or? Um, Well, my mini writing retreat is just for writing blog posts. So it's a little bit different. But what I would say, the best thing that you could do is have like, in, in real time, in a physical space, in real life, have a friend who's not an internet person sit next to you while you open your website and, and ask them, like, okay, what do you notice? What do you want to click on? What makes sense to you? What doesn't make sense to you? And maybe even if you can find someone who would be your ideal client um, and ask them, okay, would, would you sign up for this? Like, would you close this? pop-up or would you sign up for it? Mm -hmm. Like of these buttons, which would you click on? Um, Another thing that I always recommend people do is run their website through um, a broken link checker because, oh my gosh, you, I mean, I have hundreds of broken links on my website. Like I have my VA working through fixing them right now, but it's, it's shocking how many I have. I mean, I have 2000 blog posts in my archives, but to run, run your website through that and then fix the ones on the most recent pages and the most important pages because A, it's unprofessional and B, it affects your SEO. Is there a, a website? I know about the Broken Link Checker plugin for WordPress uh, that sends you an email every time it finds one, which is very convenient. Oh, gosh. Um, I just use, I think it's brokenlinkchecker.com. Oh, cool. It's not a plugin. You you paste in your URL and then it scrolls, it spiders your whole website and then puts together this completely overwhelming and enormous <laughs> list of broken links. Yeah, it's like, hey, uh, yeah, I might want to fix this. Oh my gosh, yeah, mine, <laughs> like, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's important, it's good information to have. I would, I would caution you that it can be a little emotionally overwhelming. Sure, but then it, it's also a good place to start prioritizing. Yes, yes absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's a, those are some great steps, um, and it sounds like it's something you want to do for yourself too. Is to, yes, to do that kind of overview. Okay, so so that's the client work. Um, so you're mm-hmm. not ghostwriting anymore. You're mm-hmm. only doing those reviews. 
Yeah, I do the reviews and then I do one-on-one consulting, which is like a the the secret weapon. I send you a workbook. You answer the questions. We might email a few times, then I send you the packet. So there's no there's no like um, phone call or or video. Um, add on to that. But the one-on-one consulting, you know, is a much bigger package with, you know, we have a 45-minute phone call. I send you a huge strategy plan. You implement it. We have a follow-up phone call. Um, so that's like my my larger, more in-depth package. How did you come up with those two services? Were they something people asked for or were they something you just thought, I want to do this and I'm going to put it out there into the world? Um, well, it was sort of like the, con- the one-on-one consulting people people asked me for. And I'm sure, as you know, like, People always want one-on-one consulting, yeah. so I feel like everybody everybody offers that. Um, but Secret Weapon was mostly something that I, again, it was something that I wish existed, and so then I made it. Just um, like yes and yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and there are so many, and I think it also came from, maybe you've had this experience as well, where you'll be talking to a friend or a professional peer, and they'll make some comment in passing that they assume is like an... Uh, a foregone conclusion or like I'm not even gonna tell you about this because obviously you know and you're like what yeah. <laughs> and then like notice and then you like go home and you like change something and all of a sudden you're making twice as much money because you never even knew about this thing that they were like oh yeah everybody knows yeah um and so there are so many things like that that I've experienced both as personal epiphanies where somebody's like yeah you can just set up a Craigslist alert to tell you anytime somebody posts a mid-century oh, I know. dresser that costs less than 50 bucks. <laughs> what? You taught me that. And I was like, what? Oh, my God. Yeah. I don't have game. to, like, have Craigslist open all day long, constantly searching? Yes. So I've had both the experiences where I've been the person who's like, you're blowing my mind right now. Mm. And I've also had tons of experiences with other people where I'm like, yeah, you just put a PS at the end of your blog post and you link to related stuff so it shows up in people's RSS feeds. And they're like, oh my God, you just doubled my traffic. <laughs> See, it's those little tiny things that make all the difference that really do increase your reach over time. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Like I had um, last year, I hired an SEO consultant and, you know, she gave me like tons of great information and we were on the phone forever and she sent me this huge document. But the most impactful thing that she did, which I don't think that she even thought was important. And she was like, yeah, Sarah, you should really like truncate your posts because um, it'll increase your page views, which will increase your ad revenue, and it'll make your uh, blog more friendly to people using on mobile mobile phones. And you should also um, don't have like 10 blog posts on your front page. I mean, she totally just like, oh, yeah. Oh, by the way. And she and that so has, truncate meaning that having that, that read more. The, yeah. Having the read mm-hmm. more. Um, and that has doubled in some months, even tripled my ad revenue. Yeah. It's those little, little things that add up over time. And I mean, mm-hmm. just like, just like running a blog for several years, it's like little, little increments over time yes. add up to a big reach and, and two blogs that then you decide to combine into one and this growing mm-hmm. business. Um, mm-hmm. you, you talked about the one-on-one work and, and the, the secret weapon. Um, are there other ways that you make money on Yes and Yes? Yes, I make money a bunch of ways on Yes and Yes. So I have, I'm signed with an ad um, network called Style Coalition, and they place ads on my site. So if you go to Yes and Yes and you see a giant, you know, like an ad for Nexus shampoo or something above the header, that they put that there. I do not have a personal relationship with Nexus. Like my ad uh, company put that there. I have the ads that Style Coalition places. Um, I have ads that people buy from me 
personally, which which you have experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, I very judiciously use um, affiliate links. So, I mean, and I only use them for stuff that I'm completely obsessed with, um, like Roombas <laughs> and the Nutribullet Blender. I'm oh. like a personal missionary for those. They're amazing. <laughs> um, so, like, if I'm really obsessed with something, I will use an affiliate link for it. Um, I have two ebooks about travel that people can buy. I have an app. Um, and I am working on the last e-course I launched was probably like four years ago. And I'm currently working on um, a new e-course that will hopefully come out um, this fall or winter. That's a lot of things. Yeah, it's a, it, it is a lot. And I, and I try to also, you know, have a life that I like. So the result is that all of that is a lot slower than maybe it would, would be if I didn't do things that I liked outside of work. Yeah. Do you do um, sponsored posts on your blog? I do. I do. Um, For Nutribullet, of course. (laughs) Yes. No. (laughs) Well, what I do is um, for $250, you get uh, a 300 by 300 ad space in my sidebar. And then you get a sponsored post that includes, they're usually about 150 words or longer. And it's 150 words that I write in my own voice, um, five photos and five links. Um, and, And I am pretty strategic and discretionary about who I allow to buy sponsored posts. There have been plenty of times where I've been like, "Eh, I don't think that's the right fit for my audience or no, that's kind of offensive or Mm. no, I don't want you to waste your money or oh, that price point is too high. My people aren't going to buy that. So I try really hard to, to work with sponsors that my people would actually like and support. Yeah. What would you say is the most time consuming portion of all those different um, maybe I know that things like building an e-course is really front heavy, time consuming, mm-hmm. um, or writing the eBooks or, you know, those kinds of mm-hmm. projects, but of, of all the, the ways that you make money on the blog, what takes up the most time on a regular basis? Hmm. Well, that, I mean, to be totally honest, none of them take, like currently none of them take very much time at all. Um, because my VA handles like a lot of the sponsor stuff, um, the ebooks are totally passive income. Style Collotion ads are totally passive income. The app is totally passive income. And the affiliate links, I only put like two in each week. So honestly, I mean, the e-course is, of course, incredibly time consuming right now. Yeah. Um, but luckily, most of, most of that stuff is, is, very, is very passive. I would say altogether, those income streams, I spent maybe three hours a month on them. That's awesome. That's that yeah. balance of your life and your blog. Mm-hmm. Um, that that word passive, I think a lot of people get like ruffled feathers around it because, you know, it does. It's not like you something just poof appears on your website. It's not a hundred percent passive. You have to create yes. the thing, yeah, um, and potentially run some. But like you said, you have a VA managing maybe the customer care side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is some work to be done if it's an yes. ebook that needs updates over time. Yes, like yes, especially travel ebooks. Like a whole country could crumble, and then you're oh yeah, oh absolutely, <laughs> yeah, yeah. There is a lot, um, and, and to be honest, I'm in the process of updating the the stuff around my eBooks to, to make them sell more. But if you, if you want to be really successful, you've got your eBook that you're finished with and it's just, and it's for sale, but then you need to be strategic about creating content that relates to the eBook. You want to create opt-ins that relate to the eBook. So if I have a, I have a travel eBook, so I want an opt-in that's related to travel. So when people download the opt-in, it triggers like a drip campaign, which then like breadcrumbs them 
towards the ebook. Yes. That, you know, you want to do it. I mean, it wouldn't really be worth it for my ebook because it's $15. But, you know, if you had a really expensive e-course, you want to do webinars about it and trainings related to it and run discounts on it and, you know, that kind of stuff. And it's all that planning. Um, do you mm-hmm. do you do a ton of future planning? As I mean, you have a, is it five days a week on the blog? Yes. Although I'm in the process of probably cutting that down because I have all these blog post series that I love, but nobody else cares about. So (laughs) maybe it's time to cut those. Um, I do, I use, I have a calendar plugin um, so I can, because I really love to see like the grid, you know, where it says like June 1st. And I know that's on a Tuesday or whatever. Um, So that's what I use. And because I have so many series, I know that every Monday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday are the same. So it's very easy to say, like, okay, well, every Monday is a true story interview. And I can look ahead and see that I have those scheduled out for two months. Yeah. And I know that once a month I run a cheapskate guide. Once a month I run a mini travel guide. Once a month I run um, a real-life style con interview. So it's very easy to look at it and sort of just plug stuff in. Do you use co-schedule? No. Everybody loves it, though. <laughs> what do you use? Uh, nothing. Like, I just... Oh, you said you have a calendar. Um, oh, yes. I, I don't... I. Um, I honestly don't know the name of the plugin. Oh, that's cool. But it does it doesn't do anything. It's just it's just like a I mean I can drag and drop the blog post from one date into another, but I don't I don't know if there is a social media option to it. I'm clearly not using yeah, it. Yeah, it's just a visual aid and and that's yes. important is that no matter how you have maybe learned how to run a blog uh, as a business, you have to find the way that works for you. So mm-hmm. although someone may have told you about a particular plugin or tool or way of running it, you have to find the way that works for you. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Sarah, you mentioned you have this series that you love writing, but you don't feel like get uh, gets a lot of eyes. Um mm-hmm. Is there a particular post that you really wish, gosh, this one I just love and I wish the whole world would see it? Oh, my. Well, I would say the the post series that I love so much is my Mornings In series. Um, It's where I interview women from all over the world about their breakfast and beauty routines. Um, Because, A, I'm fascinated by that stuff. And, B, in, like, a little tiny way, I think it's a great way to remember that we're all just people and, like... Like, I've done interviews with young women living in, like, Afghanistan, and they're like, yeah, this is what I eat for breakfast, and this is how I go to school. And, Amazing. You know, it's a, it's a really good way to, like, remove the otherness. Um, and it's also, honestly, like, I want to know what those beautiful Italian women, like, what beauty products are they using? Like, <laughs> I want to know. Good. And so, Yeah, so you just get start a series about the thing you want to know about all the time. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. So I love that series. Um and people tell me they love it, and yet <laughs> there are, like, so few comments. It never gets pinned. It doesn't get shared. Mm-hmm. It doesn't. And so I'm sort of struggling because it takes a really long time to assemble the photo collages, a really long time to embed all the links. Yeah. Um, and so I'm sort of struggling with and, – and also, like, I've reached the point where at a, you, there are only so many countries where people – uh, most people speak English that's that's good enough that we can email back and forth about this kind of yep, stuff. Sure. Um, and I've pretty much done all those countries. Um, so so I'm sort of struggling with, do I keep doing this because it's incredibly time-consuming and it's not really bringing me the, the response that I want? Especially when your blog is your business 100%, you have to make those strategic yeah. choices. 
Mm-hmm. So yep, what absolutely. post has the biggest reach or post series do people love the most? Um, well, hands down, the most popular post that I've ever written, and this is a total lesson on, I don't know what, just giving up expectations, is um, 23 ways to treat yourself that don't involve eating or buying anything. Yeah. And the thing is, like, truly, I have written a million posts that are just as insightful, more helpful, more innovative than that blog post. <laughs> I have no idea. And so I wrote it. I don't remember when I originally wrote it, like maybe last October. Um, and then I learned more about optimizing posts for Pinterest and I optimized it and it went completely viral in, I think, February. Mm-hmm. And it went so viral, it crashed my site three times. Eventually I had to, like, I topped out all of the, like, the bandwidth that was available through my host. Like, they could not give me any more. It got featured on, like, to date, I think it's been viewed, like, 700,000 times. Um, It's been pinned, like, between the feature image and the big Pinterest image, it's been pinned, like, 7,000 times. It got featured on Cup of Joe. And, like, it's a good post. I stand by it. But I have no idea why people like that, Any why they like it more than my post about, like... 17 tiny way tiny changes that will make your life more exciting or like 19 ways to make the world a better place like why is it this post and not the other posts i don't know um, I, I think there's something to that um everyone wants to treat themselves and um yes. like your post is about how to treat yourself without spending money because there's so much advice about like take yourself for a pedicure and you know mm-hmm. and sometimes you just don't have that residual income to to oh, yeah. be able to treat yourself um yes with and, and, you know and, and I would also say if anybody like Pinterest, Pinterest is huge with um, fitness people. And so lots of fitness, fitness sites, Pinterest boards. So the minimalists and the fitness people all pinned. Oh, it. yeah. <laughs> you found um, two real niche markets for that. Yeah, 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 yeah. But so that that is my most popular blog post far and away. Um, but if nothing else, it's been a really good lesson in just do your best put work out into the world that you're proud of and sometimes it'll stick and sometimes it won't, but you just have to do your best and eventually it'll work out. Mm, that's such and a, make, I mean, and make peace with the fact that sometimes you're going to do awesome stuff that nobody cares about. <laughs> and you know, it's so simple. Um, that, that piece of advice is so simple and yet so complex too. Yeah. And especially when we're busy looking at other things and, and seeing other people's and you know, kind of, Circling back to what we talked about in the beginning, that like seeing other people's income reports and um, that comparisonitis that can come up, mm-hmm. it's so it's such simple advice to just keep keep doing what you're doing, noticing what works and what doesn't, and doing more mm-hmm. of the thing that works, um, mm-hmm. and and then creating what you don't see out there in the world, um, because mm-hmm. if you want to see it, someone else does too, or lots mm-hmm. of someone's in the case of yes and yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Sarah, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate your time and your energy and, and all the lessons that you've shared. Oh my gosh. Thank you. That was Sarah Von Bargen of Yes and Yes. You can find out more about Sarah and her blog at yesandyes.org. Grab your free action guide from this episode to help you impact your own reach today. Head to convertkit.com slash reach or simply click the link provided right in your podcast player. Five. It's time to expand your reach. We're so glad you started here. Thanks for listening.